Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 93, Sam Marula, incumbent member of City Council, running for re-election in Ward 4, recorded on September 20th, 2018. Sam Marulli, you're currently the incumbent counselor in Ward 4. You're running for re-election in Ward 4. Welcome to the Public Records, the 155 podcast. Thanks for having me, Julie. So firstly, tell us, who is Sam Marulla? Sam Marulla is a 51-year-old, born and raised Hamiltonian, who was brought up in the North End, was raised in the East Mountain, and presently proudly lives in the East End of Hamilton in Ward 4. Sam Marulla is someone that was involved with politics at the age of 13, and my first campaign was at the age of 14 with uh, Dominic Agostino. And I can recall that the time that uh, Dominic asked me, I refused. He was my football coach. And until he offered Bronzy's Wings, which was the, the one and only reason I'm sitting here today with you, is the fact that I wanted those Bronzy's Wings. But having said that, first door I knocked on, I knew I loved politics. And since then, I've run many campaigns for others, worked behind the scenes for both the Liberals and the New Democrats, and have worked diligently on behalf of the people of Ward 4 since 2000. And part of that, I also worked at Queen's Park, as you know. So I'm a social worker by trade who saw a great deal of issues that needed to be changed, frustrated by the fact it couldn't be changed at my level as a frontline social worker. And combined with my involvement as a young Hamiltonian, and young adult in politics, combined with my social work and frustration of trying to change policy and not being able to, at the front lines, politics was my was inevitable for me to be part of. Why are you running? Well, the reason why I'm in politics and always have been in politics is the fact that, as I mentioned, as a social worker, my entire life, even as an adolescent, I worked with people with disabilities. As a child, I volunteered even in my elementary school. I can recall a girl by the name of Judy. I won't say her last name. She did pass away recently. And this was before any AODA legislation or accessibility issues were dealt with. And at St. Margaret Mary Elementary School, I was her elevator. Now, I was a Husky kid. So Doug MacArthur, who was my grade 7 teacher, asked me if I'd be willing to meet Judy every morning at 8.15 and volunteer my time to carry her up the stairs. Now, can you imagine that happening today? It just wouldn't happen as a result of liability issues. But I did so, and I I remembered that was more, I think, rewarding to me than it was to Judy. And we, I was able to befriend her, but also understand how much we, that are able body, take for granted. And the fact that she relied on me every day just to be able to access school speaks volumes about the necessity of accessibility issues, even today. How have you contributed to your community and our city? I've Probably, I'm, I would say that I'm very proud to say that I've probably been the most prolific counselor in the city of Hamilton since 2000. If you take a look at the initiatives that I brought forward from a global perspective as well as a ward perspective, whether that be the infrastructure redevelopment, whether that be initiatives uh, surrounding uh, dissolving of HECFI and now focusing on trying to salvage the entertainment facilities and actually eliminate the subsidy, to my social justice initiatives over the years. There was a time when I think the spectator referred to me as a pinko uh, as a result of my left-of-center initiatives that I've been bringing forward since 2000. 
I never took that offensively. I frankly was proud of that fact. And that was a time when council was very right of center, when the editorial board at The Spectator uh, was very conservative. It's only a recent phenomenon where, where poverty issues have become front and center and actually the main, mainstream type of um, view. Uh, I can recall at a time when I proposed the Opportunities Fund, which was a half a million dollar subsidy program uh, for poverty issues. And that's when I was called, referred to as a PINCO by the Hamilton Spectator. And now we have $50 million being allocated to poverty issues with an editorial board member being part of that decision. So it is quite remarkable how we've come a long way over the last 20 years. I'm just glad to say that I've been a leader on that particular issue. What are your two priorities for Ward 4 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? Ideally, two, the two priorities I, for Ward 4 would be the continuation of the renaissance and redevelopment, particularly surrounding infrastructure and assessment growth. When I was first elected, um, Ward 4 was very stagnant. Property values were on a decline. There, we had no commercial or, or, frankly, any residential planning applications. Uh, those days are gone, and those days are not missed by any stretch of the imagination. We're now going through one of the most significant uh, renaissances this city has ever seen. Uh, we have more private and public investment today than ever before in the history of the city. We have over a billion dollars of shovel-ready projects in the ground uh, presently with respect to Ward 4, from the water and sewer treatment plant, from the sidewalks, roads, and sewers, to the Roxborough repurposing, which is the largest repurposing of any school site in the, in the entire history of the city of Hamilton to the old Kemp construction site, which is going to be redeveloped for market townhouses, to Woodward School and Lozani's project and, and their application for, again, townhouse uh, development, to the Ottawa Street YWCA, where they're going to be focused in on redeveloping that old site for uh, affordable housing for women. Not to mention my partnership with Endwell and the fact that we've been able to, in Ward 4, established more affordable housing units in the last five years than anywhere else in the city. Uh, we're reaching well over 500 presently, with the most recent partnership being the George and Mary's repurposing, which I'm proud to say I was able to secure, reach out to Endwell and get their support, and also the support of council, committee council with respect to tying into provincial funds, and also my area rating funds that I was able to allocate to that. And not to mention the city motor site, which is now going to be also a, a seniors affordable housing development, which I'm very proud of as well. So the bottom line is Ward 4 has never been in this good a shape. And as you can recall, there was a time when we had a leaky dump, we had flooded basements with human waste floating in people's basements, to property values in the decline, to ghettos being created, bullets flying on Ottawa Street, to what we're seeing now. And as you know, Ottawa Street, the entire East End, even the center of a mall, and I know a lot of people have some issues with the design, but you can't, you can't deny that a $200 million investment is not good for the city globally. And citywide priorities will continue to working on the downloading file. Uh, as you know, and as I've said about a thousand times, if not more, half of our operating budget has nothing to do with the city of Hamilton and everything to do with provincial legislation. And uh, as a result of Queen's Park and look no further than down the QEW and what Doug Ford is doing uh, to show how much power Queen's Park has, and how much control they have over municipalities. So at present, our biggest challenge is trying to upload the download so that we can utilize some of those monies to deal with some of our other priorities, that being affordable housing and other infrastructure needs. 
Second would be the continued uh, infrastructure of roads, bridges, and sewers. That has to be a con continual focus because we inherited during the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, we had such a boom, but nobody ever saved for a rainy day. As a result, what we inherited was that lack of vision. We now are looking towards the future, and we are trying to create reserves accordingly, but we still have to save more or invest more accordingly. We need help from upper levels of government. We can't collect 5% of the taxes and expect to pay 100% of the bills. So the federal government and the province need to step up to the plate, particularly the province where half of our operating budget we can't control. That's a democratic deficit that needs to be dealt with. What are three skills you will bring to elected office that makes you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? My legislative abilities has been a proven track record. I, as I mentioned to you, I've, been, I've brought forward more initiatives than anyone else on council in, in recent history, both on a global city perspective and also from a local ward perspective. Secondly, my advocacy. There's no one that's more accessible than Sam Marilla. I don't think anyone will ever be as accessible as I've been over the last uh, two decades. And that's something I can say with a great deal of confidence. Hamilton zoning regulations prevent the building of multi-unit clustered housing, which is in scale with existing single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. There are approximately 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s and approximately 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. The missing middle is medium density, transit-connected housing, and walkable communities, as important young renters, first-time owners, and critical for seniors seeking to successfully age in place in the communities they've lived for decades. As a member of City Council, you will need to address housing challenges in Hamilton. You will face opposition to infill development and provincially mandated intensification. How will you respond to concerns about development, and where do you believe mid-density growth should occur in your ward? Well, as I've already stated, the number of the residential developments, particularly affordable housing developments, I've been able to uh, lead on and deal with the issues of the, or the because the backlash quite proficiently and quite competently in that none of those applications, particularly in looking at the, the Roxboro application, which is, as I mentioned, one of the largest uh, applications we received in recent history in the city, we had two residents come forward. And after a series of town hall meetings, which I conduct quarterly, as well as over and above uh, community meetings associated with that, um, that development, we went from hundreds of residents having concerns about it uh, to literally two attending not opposed, just wanting their name forward as being wanting to be part of the uh, discussion going further. And you look at any of the applications that have come forward, whether it be at affordable housing for Endwell, uh, whether it be the YWCA affordable housing, whether it be the Roxborough development, the Kemp Construction development, I was able to work all of those out quite competently at the grassroots level. And uh, frankly, you didn't have to spend very much time in planning, dealing with any conflict because I'm actually a very competent counselor and dealt with those issues prior to committee meeting. And that's one of those issues that a lot of people take for granted. If you look back historically, those counselors that have planning applications, they have hundreds of residents come by and they prolong the meetings. That really is a reflection of the counselor more than anything else. And I've always been frustrated by that. I can walk the walk and talk the talk and say, I deal with the problems head on beforehand and don't rely on my council colleagues to do it for me. What is something interesting or unique about Ward 4 that you believe the rest of Hamilton should know? We are home of the uh, other university, that being Brock University, which is located at the old Briarwood on King Street, which my daughter actually attends and is in second year. Uh, so a lot of people forget that Brock University has uh, footing here in Hamilton, and it's in Ward 4. 
what are two changes you will propose to improve city services? Well, I think if you look at this, what to date has occurred over the city service issues, and when you're looking at snow removal, you look at, you look at park cleaning or, or maintenance, all of those issues, all of our public works departments and the services that we provide, and that's over 200 of them, and waste management as an example, are the services that people see day in and day out. So their level of service and the reflection of money for, for value or value for money is really the bread and butter of what we do as a council, what we do as a city. So assessing regularly through input from our residents is key. So what I, we already have done is we've gauged and assessed our services through a number of surveys, some even scientific, to determine how satisfied residents are. And what we've learned is that they are very satisfied, but there's always more to do. So that continuation of engagement of community to assess what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we need to fix needs to be continued, and that's what we will continue proposing. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? Well, quality of life, uh, from my perspective, the number one issue is air quality. And again, I'm very proud of, of my initiatives over the years of firstly taking on corporate entities such as DeFasco, taking on corporate entities such as Columbian Chemicals, taking on the city of Hamilton and closing the compost facility. These are issues, air quality and other environmental issues, that need to be at the forefront and we need to ensure that the Ministry of Environment at the Queen's Park listens to the fact that our airshed is of concern. As you know, I proposed an air quality uh, summit, which we hosted a week ago, and it was very well attended. And we've come a long way. I can recall when I was first elected, we'd have 15 to 20 smog days every year. We have none now. So we've come a long way. There are many variables that have contributed to that. But surely Columbian Chemicals is an example of when I initiated a class action lawsuit with the American firm, a law firm, since that time, they have put their act together. We've not had a soot fallout since. So I continue to propose very, very vigilant action against corporate entities who dare challenge us when it comes to air quality. So that's number one. The other component is complete streets and safety on the streets. There's a lot of speeding going on. A lot of people who are driving in a fast, furious, and stupid manner, that needs to be addressed. So I've been a huge proponent of photo radar, particularly on the Red Hill Creek Expressway, as well as the link. And I think it will, be, it will go a long way in preventing some of the tragedies and some of the behavior that we presently see on that road. We're awaiting a response from the province to see if they're going to allow us to move forward. I'm cautiously optimistic, but still awaiting, hopefully, that could come to fruition. Over and above that, we need to look at means of uh, decreasing speed to speed humps, less capacity of roadway, and incorporating cycling lanes where, where appropriate from one end of the ward to the other, which I've been a huge proponent of since being elected, even in the face of a lot of indifference to it, to be quite frank. At the end of the day, what we need to focus in on in quality of life is complete streets and, and pedestrian and vehicular and cycling safety, as well as ensuring that air quality uh, continues to improve down the road. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked balloting enables voters to choose by prioritizing candidates, usually the top three. They feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked balloting? I voted to support it. And I, my belief is 
if you can't get 50 plus one with respect to your election, then you probably shouldn't be running. So, but if, if in that situation, you're forced to get 50 plus one every time. So winning with less than 50%, I think is problematic. And the ranked balloting will allow a definitive winner to come to fruition. So hence, I, that's why I support it. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? From my perspective, I'm the only counselor that actually hosts a quarterly town hall meetings. And I've been doing so quite religiously since 2001. Engagement is key with respect to what governance is all about. Governance is about input, which ultimately becomes legislative output. So whether or not, if, if we're not engaged and we don't have any input, then we can't in good conscience, suggest that we're legislating in the proper way. So my engagement is, is quite clear. I have outbound calls going on every single year for three or four months. I have quarterly meetings. I'm in, not only engaged, but listening to what those responses are and also their input at those town hall meetings to make decisions accordingly of whatever might be on that agenda, whether that be a planning initiative or whether that be an update of a, a city service of some kind. So what it really boils down to is input and being able to listen to that input, deciphering what is in the best interest of not only the resident but the city, and then acting accordingly legislatively. How will the city of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? I'm proud to say that I was one of a handful of people that really encouraged Chris Murray to seek the office when he was only a director at the time. And what I saw in him and what I continue to believe are the characteristics of a great city manager is not only understanding what the guiding principles of our, of engagement is and of innovation and working towards helping seniors and youth. It sounds great. And that's a wonderful thing. And that's a parameter of what we need to work towards. But the reality is this, the rubber hits the road when you have legislation enacted. And the only way you do that is by understanding what that legislation is and how that's going to impact the livelihood of the lives of people that live here. So the one key factor in all of this is understanding the needs of community, how that impacts council, and how the bureaucracy can be molded to conform to that, those demands, which again becomes the input. Years past, when I was first elected, we had a, a bureaucratic fiefdom in this town. It was anti-council. It was anti-community by extension. And everyone believed that the experts were right and community were wrong. The counselors were being parochial and only short-sighted and only ward healers. Now, that's considered our community hubs. So what, what was black is, is now white and what was white is now black. And what's quite funny is that I can go back to a lot of the cartoons that I, and I was depicted in, of being a ward healer or being parochial, they don't use that anymore. Because you know what that is today? Are all the hubs that we created, the McQuestion hub, which is exactly what was, is the, was where the entire hub process in Hamilton was born. So what they were suggesting was, at that time, is that the, because I had a group of residents asking me to work on their behalf towards projects and would fight vigilantly for them, I was parochial and I was a word healer. Today, they call that our community hubs and engagement. So... Chris Murray got that, and he understood that. And as a result, we created an entire system conducive to that, and that's why we have such success stories such as Crown Point, such as McQuiston and Homeside and others throughout the city where it's no longer parochial, it's actually 
doing our jobs. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? As I always have been. Uh, and that, at the end of the day, you're only as, as effective as the nine votes that you can get together at council. So building bridges with your council colleagues, understanding their needs and compromising sometimes your needs in order to fulfill what they're, what, what they're trying to achieve with the vision of understanding that that's going to be reciprocal and your community is going to benefit down the road as well is essential. It's the art of compromise and negotiation and basically becoming an effective leader. And you don't become an effective leader by burning bridges. You become an effective leader by building bridges. So I have a very strong history of getting a great deal of support on council or else I wouldn't have been able to bring forward all those motions successfully if I couldn't get nine votes together. And from a local stop sign to actually um, putting together a, a development, billion-dollar development for the repurposing of our entertainment facilities, I've always been able to get that job done, and I suspect I will continue to do so. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council, and what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? From my perspective, fearless, hardworking, caring. From council's perspective, hardworking, accessible, and visionary. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks that you wish to share? Just that uh, I continue uh, to um, look forward to serving the people of Ward 4 East Hamilton. For over the last two decades, we've accomplished a great deal, and together we can continue uh, to build a bridge to a future, and I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us today. I wish to thank the Red Hill branch of the Hamilton Public Library for the use of their makerspace where we recorded this podcast. This has been episode 93 of the Public Records The 155 podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of The 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.